Good afternoon and welcome to the MoneyWeb at Midday show. I'm Warren Thompson. Coming up on a very uh, packed show today, uh, we're going to be starting off speaking to Robin Smith, the co-founder and CFO of Libstar, following the company's listing on the JSC today. The food producer uh, listed on the JSC at uh, a list price of twelve hundred fifty, and I think it's come off a little bit there. Uh, we'll update that in a second. Uh, that'll be followed then by a interview with Carl Devitt, the CEO of Indlu Place uh, Properties, the residential property owner. Uh, following a challenging six months to the end of February. And then uh, as part of our last segment, we'll be talking to Wayne McCurry, a Senior Portfolio Manager at Ashburton Investments, to get his thoughts on the market. Remember that this show is being brought to you by Chartered Accountants of South Africa, leaders in business. MoneyWeb has a unique opportunity for financial advisors. Through our Click and Advisor offering, advisors can interact with a growing investor-based audience and attract new clients. To find out more, visit www.moneyweb.co.za. As I mentioned earlier, Libstar uh, Holdings listed on the JSC today at a list price of twelve rand fifty. Uh, it's currently the share is currently trading at uh, eleven rand ninety four. But I caught up with Robin Smith, the co-founder of the company. Uh, and currently uh, the CFO, uh, to discuss a little bit of perspective around what the purpose of the listing was and what the company is looking to do going forward. This is what he told us. Good day, Warren. Yes, and, and thank you. Um, Lipstar is a, I guess you could describe us as a, as a, one of the leading producers and supplier of high-quality products in the uh, broadly, broadly uh, categorized consumer packaged uh, industry in, in, in South Africa, mainly food and food-related products representing about 95% of our earnings with uh, some household goods and personal care business and, and some niche beverages making up the, the small the small balance. Okay, and, and how long, I mean, you, you're the co-founder of the business. Uh, how long is, uh, have you been uh, building this business up? When was it founded? It was founded in late 2005. Our first acquisition was 2006, and so it's been about a 12-year uh, journey to date. You've uh, showed in your pre-listing statement some very impressive growth uh, in uh, in EBITDA, uh, that's earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. Just give us a, a bit of a, a bit of sense as as one of the people responsible uh, for running this company, why uh, you've been able to to grow so uh, impressively over the last few years. Yes, uh, that that growth rate, Warren, over the 12-year period was about 22% on a compound annual growth basis. But importantly, uh, I think we need to emphasize that the organic component of that growth was around 13%. So good, healthy, double-digit growth uh, on an organic basis. And that organic growth is driven by a number of a number of things. Uh, post-acquisition, most of the um, uh, the businesses that we bought have experienced significant growth Um uh, up, and, up to today, and and that growth is is really as a consequence of uh, further investment in the businesses, um, uh, freeing up uh, working capital for the businesses, uh, and then really just uh, diversifying some of their product offering and capabilities. Um, I will give you an example um, in baking, for example. We we started off just with a small bakery in the eastern and western Cape, supplying Woolworths. We then expanded into. Uh, tortilla wrap manufacturing plants, subsequently into a gluten-free manufacturing plant, and currently now into a powerback frozen plant. So there's an example where we take a small business uh, within a baking category and then expand the competencies of that category to, to expand the and, and to grow that particular business. And there are a number of examples 
of, um, of target acquisitions like that one. Part of your management style uh, from your your uh, your statements and your PLS uh, mm-hmm. is that you run fairly decentralized uh, business models, which means that each individual business unit can procure and procure services and obviously um, uh, inputs uh, itself. Uh, just give us a little bit around the philosophy of how you run this uh, this organization. Sure, Warren. The philosophy is quite simple, and we feel that these were entrepreneurial businesses when we acquired them, and that uh, it was important to maintain that entrepreneurial spirit going forward, uh, that nimbleness, that flexibility that comes with uh, with a decentralized model. So um, we feel that that fuels innovation, it uh, it, it, it fuels creativity. Um, but don't don't get me wrong. There's a strong support from what we call the central office or the centre. Um, strategy is centralized, uh, strategic guidance, uh, the provision of capital, uh, setting policies and frameworks and best practice um, and governance and those good things are all driven from, from the center across the various business units, but allowing them the flexibility and the freedom to do what they do best. Uh, and, and procurement is one of those. You will appreciate that we procure everything from you know herbs and spices to, to nuts to chicken and, and beef to whatever, and, and to centralize that kind of uh, competency would just, you know, layer heaps and heaps of cost um, and incompetency um, at the center. So best where the rubber hits the road for the entrepreneurs to do what they, what they do best. Tell us a little bit about the listing, Robin. Uh, how many shares uh, uh, have been listed? Uh, what does that comprise of the, the, the total shares of the company, and what are the proceeds of the listing being used for? Well, the proceeds of the listing, to start with your last question, Warren, um, we, we raised 1.5 billion rand. Uh, that, will, that will primarily go to, uh, in the first instance, to, to reduce our debt levels. But that takes our debt levels down to um, very low levels at about 1.1 times uh, uh, forward EBITDA. So it gives us sufficient headroom to, to pull the trigger on some growth uh, opportunities uh, internally and potentially some uh, medium-sized acquisitions. Um, and, and so without coming back to market for capital in the foreseeable future, we, we, we felt that that headroom was, was required in order to uh, execute on our growth strategy. Right. Uh, so, okay, so you, you're raising $1.5 So what portion of your total uh, outstanding shares does that represent that you've now, that you've now made uh, public? Well, uh, there are about 50, new, 50 public shareholders, of which 30% are roughly 30% are from offshore, so quite a nice interest from, from offshore investors. Um, the, uh, the, 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 the free float at the moment uh, is, is around about the 47 to 49% mark. I can't remember exactly the number, but uh, the target was 40%, so it was in excess of our, of our initial target. So we're quite happy with the, the free float that exists at the moment. Okay, great. Just coming to the use, you've paid down some debt that that allows you to obviously uh, leverage up if you want. Uh, you noted yes. you noted that you would be using um, proceeds or or the debt from uh, the debt made available from the proceeds of the listing towards uh, a number of internal growth strategies, uh, just or or uh, acquisitions. Uh, is there any flavour there around? Uh, are you going to be entering new markets, uh, and where do you stand with? Uh, operating in Africa, is your business still very concentrated in South Africa? The business is still very concentrated in South Africa. Having said that, we have a very strong export focus. Um, a lot of our customers, such as the ShopRite Group, are obviously quite active in Africa, 
and uh, a number of our products are manufactured specifically for their, their ventures in Africa, uh, as well as our di- direct exports. So at this point in time, very much home-based, but with export tentacles uh, all around the world to some 60-odd countries. Um, we don't intend to enter any new categories. I think we're quite happy with the categories that we found ourselves playing in. And we still see a, a good runway for growth uh, in the perishables, ambient groceries, baking and baking aids, and then snacks and confectionery um, um, categories specifically. Okay, great. Well, uh, Robin, just a last question, obviously, for, for a number of people listening to this interview that might want to keep track of uh, what's happening with the company. When do you report uh, full year and interim results? What is your financial year and, and uh, when is the next reporting uh, period for you? Yes, yeah, so we're at December year end. And so the next, the next reporting period would be our half year results uh, into June. And so that would probably be be available some two months after June. So pretty much the end of August, we'll, we'll come out with our half-year results. That was Robin Smith, the co-founder and CFO of Libstar Holdings. Is the land expropriation without compensation plan the biggest threat to the new dawn as promised by new President Ramaphosa? Can South Africa make any progress against the background of increasing protest action, strikes, low economic growth? Attend the Brenhurst Wealth SA Kovadi seminar series hosted in association with MoneyWeb to hear the insights of five leading experts, Magnus Haystek of Brenhurst, Ralph Mateja, political analyst, Magna Wieseska of Signia, Glenn Owen of Momentum and Jean-Pierre Fester of Fairtree Capital. Bookings at www.quicket.com. Co.za. Search for Brenthurst. You're back with the MoneyWeb at Midday Show, and today uh, Indu Place Properties announced uh, interim results to the end of March 2018 uh, that saw a massive growth in their portfolio of 82% year on year. Uh, a number of portfolio adjustments were made during the period, and instead of Carl DeWitt joining me, I am informed that Terry Cutland, uh, the FD, is on the line. Uh, good afternoon to you, Terry. Good afternoon to you. Thank you for having me. Great. So quite a complicated, uh, I think quite a lot going on within the portfolio in terms of uh, the amount of residential units that you owned. Uh, That increased by 260% to 9,662 units. You've also moved away from paying distributions quarterly to to paying them semi-annually. So just give us a bit of perspective around the the changes that you made to your uh, portfolio during the period. Sure, thank you. So there's no doubt it has been an extremely transformative year for us at Indra Place. Um, as you mentioned, portfolio growth 82% year on year in terms of value. We acquired two properties uh, over the last 12, uh, two portfolios over the last 12 months. There was the Dulapula acquisition uh, just uh, on just under 500 of a million in 1 July 2017, and the Buffett acquisition. Uh, just over 2,800 units, uh, about 1.3, 1.4 billion from 1 October. So yes, there has been tremendous growth. Uh, we're delighted with, uh, with with the acquisitions and how they've been performing. And, and as you mentioned, um, our, our income has grown, our contractual revenue has grown, and really, it's we're seeing that it's performing in, in line with our expectations. Okay, great. Now, just in terms of the uh, the actual uh, the property portfolio, you had a few challenges, particularly in Windsor. Uh, I presume that was either Windsor East or Windsor West in uh, in Ramberg. Just tell us what happened there and and, and what you had to do to mitigate uh, this so called uh, rent strike that some of the the uh, tenants were undertaking. So, unfortunately, we we were caught up in a um, 
um, a uh, suburb-wide rental, partial rental boycott. Um, there's a small small number of our units in, in the Windsor area, about 349. So I think the beauty of having a diverse portfolio is despite the fact that there was a partial rental boycott over those units of ours, we still delivered on, on our expectations. Um, we tried everything we could to ensure that uh, the tenants started paying rent. And unfortunately, um, you, you know, one thing led to another and we had to go the eviction routes. But, but as I mentioned before, a small percentage of our portfolio, while the focus on, on, the, on the other 9,300-odd units allowed us to, to pay the dividend of 48.5 cents. Um, and, and yes, as I said, in of our expectations, and we did everything we could, uh, you know, to avoid being caught up in that suburb-wide uh, rental boycott. Okay. Uh, now, just in terms of the, the vacancies and perhaps a bit of context here in terms of uh, the seasonality within your business, uh, I, I would... Uh, I would, from my understanding of the market, uh, suggest that perhaps December and January are challenging times for you uh, with people uh, going on holiday, perhaps uh, spending money that should be paid in rent. You did no, you did uh, announce that the vacancies had ticked up from a year ago from 45 to 6.3%. Um, so certainly a, a tougher period for you. How are things looking at the moment in terms of vacancies? I think you're actually spot on in terms of your comments about the seasonality. There's no doubt an increase of um, from 45 to 6.3%. Um, we actually sparked probably at uh, just over 7% in, in, in about uh, December, January. We managed to bring it down to 63 at March, and post-during it actually has come, it has come down further. So we have, put, um, we have put some strategies in place. We work closely with our property managers our property management is outsourced, but we very close contact with all of our property managers. We try and do as much as we can to ensure that uh, we, we we maintain our tenants and we maintain uh, low vacancies. Okay, uh, and perhaps just a, a last question uh, for you, Terry. Uh, just do you provide guidance in terms of distribution growth for the full year? We do indeed. So we provided guidance um, when we released our annual results last year, um, October, November. We gave guidance of between 4 and 7% for the full year. Um, we are sticking to that guidance, and we believe we're going to come in at the bottom end of that guidance at 4% for the full year. Despite um, the, uh, the challenges uh, and unique headwind, the headwinds we faced over the first six months. All right, fantastic. Well, all the best there, and uh, we look forward to, to speaking to you in the future. Thank you. That was Terry Cutland, the Financial Director of Indu Place Properties. All right, time to have a quick look at the markets. The JC All Share having a fairly good day today, up half a percent to 57,981 points. And it's green across the bourse with industrials up one third of a percent, financials up uh, four tenths of a percent, gold mining up one percent, and resources up over one percent. Behind Nuspers is the most traded share on the bourse. We have BHP Bulletin, Richmond, MTN Group, and Sassol. Uh, as well as Glencore, so a lot of the uh, uh, resource shares changing hands there. The rand is at 12 rand 63. It slipped one third of a percent against the US dollar. Uh, it's lost a quarter of a percent against the pound, where it trades at 17 rand and nine cents. And against the euro, it's lost one third of a percent to 14 rand 98. Here to discuss some of the uh, developments in the market with me is Wayne McCurry from Ashburton Investments. Good afternoon, Wayne. So a uh, little bit of jitters in the market following uh, developments uh, between Iran and the U.S. last night? Yes. What, uh, yeah, look, I mean, you actually can't understand it, but yes. 
Okay, but I, I look at the gold price and it's actually uh, declined a little bit. Um, perhaps uh, is that uh, expression of anxiety more evident in the oil price at the moment? That's definitely, no, it's definitely evident, evident in the oil price. When Brent's back up at 76 after falling three or four odd dollars last night when it looked as though Trump was not going to uh, cancel the deal. But he obviously has cancelled the deal and he's going to impose full sanctions again. And that's put a bit of a jitters in the oil market and the oil price went up again. Uh, resources are changing hands fairly quickly on the boss uh, today mm. with, with Billiton behind Naspers is the most traded share. And then obviously just a little further down, both Sassel and Glencore. Uh, has this yeah. been has this anxiety translated to, to better prices for commodities and better prices for the equities of, of uh, resource companies? Well, a little bit, but it's mainly to do with, with the, the rise in the oil price. Now that there's no longer any uncertainty about America withdrawing from this report, you know, the oil price has stayed high because obviously there might not be Iran oil coming onto the market again like it happened before the deal was signed and the resource shares are running a bit on the back of that. Okay, the obvious implication from this uh, more directly at home is is for MTN yes. and rumors uh, or suggestions that it might not be able to get its uh, uh, cash out of Iran uh, mm. The share price down at this point two percent to uh, one hundred twenty-two mm. and fifty-one. Uh, is that a long-term worry for uh, MTN in terms of uh, yes. how much cash it, it it generates in Iran? Yeah, look, I mean, it's, it is it is obviously a worry because it's one of the dominant players in that market. Now they've been able to repatriate about eighty-five million euros, but there's two hundred million, if I'm not mistaken, euros still sitting there in unrepatriated profits and of course they want that cash back in back back home to fund capital expenditure and dividends and it just seems quite a, a bad news for MTN after a few days ago when they gave us the update on Nigeria which looked a lot better right uh, so a little bit of uh, bad uh, bad news there just uh, uh, Wayne, I'm not sure if you have the figures on hand, but how, how much does does uh, MTN Iran contribute to uh, um, MT, the MTN Group's uh, uh, operating profits? Oh, I'm not sure. That's probably probably I would think around about ten percent. So it's not massive, but it is still quite big. It's a chunk. All right. Okay. Great. Um, uh, I think uh, Wayne, and then obviously uh, perhaps a little bit of this uh, anxiety translating into to movements in in the currencies. Has there been a theme across the emerging markets today of of uh, currency weakness versus the dollar? Yes, but it's relatively small. I mean, you know, Iran as a as a economic power is incredibly small. But obviously, it's it's influential in the oil market, but that's about it. So there hasn't been too much of an effect on emerging market currencies. I mean, probably the best for the RAND and the best for other emerging market currencies is probably behind us now. doesn't mean it's going to collapse, but certainly this little bit of weakness that we've seen from 12 RAND, let's say, to 12 RAND 60 is probably going to stay with us. You know, I don't think the RAND is going to strengthen significantly from this level. All right, great. Uh, we're going to have to leave it there, Wayne, but thanks very much for your insights. Pleasure. That was Wayne McCurry, a senior portfolio manager at Ashburnton Investments. Remember that the show is being brought to you by Chartered Accountants of South Africa, leaders in business. Numbers rule the world. Inflation, interest rates, petrol price. And when numbers change, you need to know how to respond. 
especially when it comes to business. Partner with a chartered accountant and get far more than a numbers person. A CASA is equipped with holistic business acumen and decision-making expertise when evaluating your business's future growth. Partner with a responsible leader in business. Partner with a CASA today. Go to saika.co.za. You're back with the uh, MoneyWeb at Midday Show, and uh, that's uh, brought us to the end of the show. We trust you've enjoyed the time with us. Remember, our English and Afrikaans-speaking radio shows get going at 6 p.m. this evening, as well as our new Classic Business Breakfast, uh, which starts at 7 p.m. on Classic FM. Until the same time tomorrow, cheers for now. 